So good to see you in week five, number five already of this series that we're galloping through this letter to the saints at Rome, one of the 13 letters that Paul writes uh, to encourage us and build us up and to see us follow after Jesus, how, how he unpacks the gospel. And I wanna jump in, but every once in a while, we have to just push pause for station identification. We, we just gotta, uh, you know, before we, we will return to this message right after these other messages, and I just wanna take a quick housekeeping item and say, the church is growing so much right now. God is doing something amazing at Timber Creek Church. We celebrate what he is doing to the point that when we get through the summer in August, we are going to be adding a third service at Nacogdoches and a third service here in Lufkin to create more space for the babies and more space for you and more space as we grow. Now, what does that mean for us? That means that we're gonna have to, to follow 3 Corinthians chapter two, and if you know the Bible, you know there is no such thing as 3 Corinthians, but it says somewhere, someplace, blessed are the flexible, for they will not be bent out of shape. We just changed our service times to nine and 1045, but in order to navigate appropriate times, we're gonna be doing that because we just keep growing. Do you know that we grow older, we don't even have to work at it? Watch. I just grew a few seconds older. I didn't even work at it. But we have to work at growing younger. And as we grow younger, we're seeing more and more young families and kiddos and, and babies. And it's amazing. And this is where I just want to give you a quick housekeeping item. And that is that at the broadcast location, joining us at Dieball and Duncan and Iglesia and Nacogdoches and Groves, we are broadcasting uh, to more than uh, several thousand more people throughout the week because of those that are watching online and everything. And we have microphones in the broadcast location. And just like a studio audience, even though this isn't an audience and this isn't a studio, this is a house of God, it picks up all of the, all of the sound. And so when you have children with you that you say, I wanna have them with me instead of kids, awesome. We love it. Now, I will tell you that we're gonna talk about adult content in here, and so if you're going, I can't believe the pastor said that. Well, I can't believe your kid's not in kid works. <laughs> but, but secondly, you, you may feel like, oh, they're my kiddo, and I just don't know about the nursery. I, I want you to rest assured, my kids have grown up in the youth ministry and children's ministry of Timber Creek Church. We background check every kiddo, or every kiddo. <laughs> we background check every kiddo now. Every, every worker, we have professional nursery staff ready to serve your kiddos. And so what can happen though is in that space between trusting us and, 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 and dipping your toe in the water, you may wanna bring your kids in with you here into the auditorium, into the broadcast location. Totally get it and, 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 and we love that. However, sometimes our kiddos get energetic. And beyond that, let me just push pause, sometimes we forget to silence our cell phones. The last three weeks, somebody's been on the phone actually having a conversation with somebody, and I'm trying to communicate one of those truths, and I'm, I'm too ADD. You may be able to work on it. It's hard for me. It's a, it's a challenge to hear other conversations going, but when your kiddos get energetic, we want you to know we love kiddos, we love babies. I mean, we, we are so glad that you're here. We've gotta grow younger. But I also, because we're broadcasting out, 
would you just please be sensitive that if your kiddos get a little energetic in service, uh, it, is not, it is not a disgraceful thing. We have a family room. We have Coffee Co. We have Kid Works that you ought to dip your toe in the water. Check it out. If you want a tour, we'll give you a tour. But if your kiddos get a little energetic, let's just uh, maybe just step outside for a little bit just to get them kind of chilled out or whatever that looks like. In the meantime, if they start crying today and you don't move, we do have a sniper available. No, I'm kidding. That's all right. Um, no, no, no. If that, if that happens, it happens, and we're going to move on. I'm not even going to mention it during service, but I did just want to let you know that, that that will help us as we also broadcast to all these other places. Okay, is that, is that fair? Is that okay? Are you mad at me? You love me? If you're upset, write a letter to Santa Claus. Let's go. All right, we're recapping. We're recapping Romans, and here we are in, in part five, and here's what really this very first part of Romans is all about. He's saying, the Apostle Paul's saying, you need you to know you're really lost. You don't need your wife to know that and remind you. You don't need your parents to remind you. You need you to remind you that you're really lost. Because if you, if you are in a place where, where you think you got it all under control, you really won't understand the reason you really need to receive grace, that you really need to understand God's riches at Christ's expense, that it's not about what you could ever do, it's about what he has done. And the rest of Romans, we break it down like this. There's an introduction and a conclusion, and in the middle are these five different sections that we're going to be walking through, inch by inch, from sin is where we are right now. We've been talking about sin for the last few weeks. And sin is not the act that I commit, it's the authority that I reject. It's my way over God's way in any way, that's sin. But we're gonna fix to get, and we're getting ready to get into the good news and we're gonna discover what salvation is all about in section two. Sanctification is all about the process of working out our salvation on a daily basis, overcoming that, that grapple with sin and the, and the, and the desire that, that can so easily kind of hook us into the wrong things. Sovereignty of God, we'll get into that after a while and a few chapters later. And then service, what does it look like to really not just know Jesus and, and understand his word, but actually do, be the church, be the hands and feet. But as of right now, we've still been in this section on sin. So far, here's the the, the top two people we've talked about when it comes to sin. Number one, you can write it down in your notes. It's the rebellious person. We all are rebels without a cause. We are rebels with a cause. We, we are rebellious people. And this is what rebellion looks like in the eyes of God. I suppress, reject, or replace God's truth. Suppress like a, like a beach ball pulled underneath the water and you hold it down like that. You can only hold it down so long. The truth of God is evident and many times we just wanna suppress that and just do our own thing. I'm just gonna have to, have, I'll just have a conversation with God about that. Like uh, if you've ever seen um, inside the actor's studio where someone interviews actors, James Lipton uh, interviews actors, uh, he asks him one of the questions, you go into heaven, you're at the pearly gates, and you see God. What will you ask him? One of the celebrities one time said, if, I, if I'm at the pearl, if there is a God and I'm at the gates and, he, and I am asking this question, I'm gonna say, who do you think you are? That you let all this happen and like, you know, they suppress the reality of thinking we're God and there's not a God in charge and, 
And it's a, it's a sad place where we will suppress that, reject that, or replace that. We've been talking this through. The next piece is the respectable person. Whoa, I thought it was just the rebellious people that got issues. No, it's the respectable people. And this is where I deal with the deadliest sin of self-righteousness or judging others. It's what we unpacked last week on judge unto others as you would have them judge unto you in the same way that you might point the speck out in someone else as you have the timber, the, 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 the log hanging out of your own eyeball. And today we're gonna talk about the third person, the third issue that, that I deal with, that you deal with, maybe we're very aware of it, or maybe we're even suppressing that, and that is the religious person, the religious person. Would you close your eyes with me? Let's have a prayer together. <sighs> Father, we live in the Bible Belt. It is that loop in America that... Uh, people call the Bible Belt because maybe we've been closer to church. We've, we've had those, maybe what some would call good old-fashioned values, where uh, we, we still, Sunday is still potentially sacred, and yet God, we're religious. We have made a poor exchange on knowing about stuff we should do versus knowing a God who loves us deeply. Father, wherever we are, whatever our history is, even how we're approaching you right now, everybody within the sound of my voice, as I'm praying, I want you to just do a little inventory. Inventory of your heart. God, if I've just been going through the motions in any way, if I've just been showing up because that's just what you do on Sunday, Lord, I commend them for having a habit, but God, habits aren't what send us to heaven. It's you that makes heaven heaven. It makes you that makes, it's you that makes us right with you. So I pray we would see you through everything today. By the time we leave this place, we'll say one to another, not that, well, that was a good worship service, or, well, that was a sermon, but God, you're so good and you're so big. And I'm so thankful that you are who you are. And I just want to know you more. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to really define religion, I, I want to I kind of situate it with a few other words that we hear thrown around and, and, and lets you see kind of the journey we're on of where God really wants us, wants us to go. Um, let, let me start with this word. Uh, write it down in your notes. Just right there on the left, you write the word psychology there in the blank. I, I, I believe psychology is a healthy thing. It's a good thing. It's not a replacement for Jesus. Um, here's what psychology basically is. Well, for, for our for our intents and purposes today, it's man's thoughts about himself. And as we psychoanalyze, as we go through a, a, a psychological experience, we're, we're thinking about us. And someone who's a psychologist or maybe even a counselor who will sit and ask, there are, there are questions that reveal thoughts about who we are, what we're going through, the life around us, your mom, you know it, all that stuff, okay? That's psychology. I see a counselor twice a month. It's so helpful for me 
to uh, have a professional burden carrier for all the thoughts up in this mug right here. And my wife said a healthy amen, <laughs> right? Now that's psychology. Now philosophy, philosophy is a little bit deeper and that's man's thoughts about man's thoughts. <laughs> so not really thinking about what we're doing and who we are and how we unpack those thoughts, it's just thinking about our thoughts and that's philosophy. Some people will look to life and have a certain, as long as I can think a certain way and think my way through it, um, as long as I have a right philosophy and, and can kind of, you know, I can guide my way through, it, we can go a little deeper now and we go into theology. Theology is man's thoughts about God. So it's a study of who God is. Our theology is the way we think about the God of the cosmos. So a theological perspective is simply man's thoughts about a perspective on God. Can we go one more deeper? This is the Bible. Now the Bible is not theology. The Bible is not a philosophy. The Bible is not just uh, psychology, although it can get you to think about your thoughts. It can. Think, you can think about yourself, but here's how in this, in this kind of situating this sermon, the Bible is God's thoughts about himself and us. It's not theology because it's not man's thoughts. It's the written word of God. It's God breathed through men onto paper. It is the living, breathing word of God. Can I, can I push pause on something and say, some of you, you, you love Jesus, you believe in Jesus, but you don't take the Bible as serious as you take Jesus. You don't. Now, I want to tell you, the Bible didn't die for your sins, okay? It's not about, it's not about just the B-I-B-I-B-L-E. I can't even spell this morning. Way too much Red Bull, apparently. The B-I-B-L-E, it's a book for me. I stand upon the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, and you can stand upon the word of God, but it's more about not just standing on it, it's about letting the word of God be in you, to breathe life in you. The Bible's the final authority that it is the moral compass for every decision, good, right decision you could ever make. But what, 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 I, what I also wanna encourage you in is if you can believe in Jesus, that he's, he is who he says he is, fully man, fully God born of a virgin, and then yet you say the Bible, well, but that's men, that, that was kind of like, that's us. Well, you can believe that Jesus is fully man and fully God, and he is who he says he is, and the word became flesh. The Bible is fully man and fully God, because it was written by men, but it was breathed by the Holy Spirit, and it's God's thoughts about himself and us. Y'all listen to it. Y'all to, to read it. It's pretty good and whatnot. Now, this is where we get to the topic of the day, and that's religion. And, and here's our working definition for religion today. Religion is man makes a way to get close to God. So if the Bible is God's thoughts about us and himself, Religion is a process, religion is a system that how I have made a way to get close to God. I have built my bridge. I, I have 
invested into these practices and systems to get closer to God. And in our next section of scripture, this is what Paul, he's already talked about the rebellious person, the respectable person. Now he's gonna triple down on the religious person. Romans chapter two, verses 17 through 29. Here he says, now you, <laughs> and I, I just always think it's so important just to kind of place ourselves a little bit in the story. It's not always prescriptive, but it is definitely descriptive. And in this, it's more prescriptive too. He says, now you, talking to the saints at Rome, the Christians at Rome, now you. If you call yourself a Jew, if you call yourself a Jew, now pause. Most of us in East Texas, most of us in, in our uh, locations, you wouldn't call yourself a, a Jew. But you, you know what you would do? You call yourself a Baptist. You. If you call yourself a Baptist, if you call yourself a Pentecostal, if you call yourself a good Catholic, if you call yourself a good person, if you call yourself better than them, if you call yourself a Jew. <laughs> In other words, if you are really reliant on labels, watch it, that is one step towards religion. If you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law, the law as he's talking to this audience would be the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, known as the Pentateuch or the Torah. And that book, you, you rely on that law, that it's the book that saves you. It's the book that redeems you. It's just knowing it in your mind. As long as you've memorized it, well, I, can, I can quote scripture better than anybody. You can quote scripture and split hell wide open. The devil quotes scripture. You're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell my, I'm gonna tell my mother-in-law that next time. Hey, even Jesus says it like this in John chapter five. Jesus says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. You, you, you think that by the scriptures, just by studying them, you, you possess eternal life. Jesus says then, these are the scriptures that testify about me. It's evidence. It's evidence in a case. The scripture testifies, gives a testimony that, that is not about just the scripture. It's not about the evidence. It's about what the evidence points to. It's the evidence that testify about me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So you go back to the Bible and, and just reading the Bible. Is there anything wrong with that? No. Is there something wrong with thinking that just reading the Bible is what really is, makes you right with God? Yes. Yes. This is why we have to be so careful. Look, look, look. Are there incredible disciplines that you should engage a quiet time with the Lord every morning? Absolutely. Or every night? Absolutely. Or in the middle of the day? Sure. Should you be consistent in, in experiencing the word of God and reading it? Yeah. Will that save you? No, but it will testify about the one who will. It will speak life to the true key of life. And that's Jesus. The embodiment of the word. He says, it testifies, you, you, you don't even come to me for, 
for the life. So, so like, look, 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 if, if you call yourself a Jew and, and you rely on the law, oh, here's another one, and you boast in God. Man, I, I don't mean God is so good and God good, right? But um, <clears throat> what I do mean is when you feel like you have a special status among anybody else, and your church membership or your uh, denominational preference or your special status by having, uh, you know, this title or this responsibility, you know, I'm a, I'm a deacon in that church, bless God. I mean, that church, that church probably is deacon-possessed is what it is. And you boast in God, special status. We're, we're the only denomination that's gonna make it into heaven. That's a boasting God, religious mumbo jumbo. If you know his will, a lot of people know his will. It's really if you do his will. You can know a whole lot of stuff. We are, we are we, we, if we're not careful, we're a church of knowers, not doers. Hearers, not doers educated way beyond our obedience, learning more and more and frustrated, not getting fed enough, well, for crying out loud, like you drank enough Gatorade, you've done enough pre-work, pre-workout, go work out. Like, you know, I take my pre-workout pre every morning. <laughs> like, go do something with it, go lift somebody. Like, like he says, don't just like consume, like, like know his will, do his will. We think we got a pipeline to God in our religiousness. It's, not, it's about doing it. He says, if you know his will and you approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law. This is talking about, this is talking about those that do good things, but they use that as, a, as kind of a, a billy club for everybody else. So now I see my status, stats on us, status, stats on us. I find my status above you because now I have a superior way of doing things and I, and I, uh, I, I lift my nose and I look down on everybody else because they don't have the same value. I can't believe you'd go to that concert. I can't believe you'd go and, and you'd you know, watch that. And although we should be cautious about what we digest, what we bring in, what we allow. We, we should have a, 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 a sense of holiness, a, a separation from things that, that become so delicious to the world around us that we ought, we ought to examine our diet every once in a while. But if we think that it's our diet that gets us connected to God, we're getting it backwards. And it's our way of getting close to God versus God's real way. He goes on, and if you're convinced that you're a guide for the blind, because you're so, you are so, man, you are God's gift to us. If, it, it, you know, a light for those who are in the dark. If you're an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of the little children, because you have the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Can I just show you something? Who needs Jesus when they got you? I mean, if you're the guide and you're the light, and you're the instructor and you're the rabbi, who needs Jesus? They got Sally. This is where we just, 
we inadvertently scoot God, we, 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 we box him out of being the center of our lives. We become the center. You then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Do, you who preach against stealing, do you ever steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? Now it may not be stealing or adultery or breaking that particular law. He's just making his case that there's things you say to your kids, do as I say, not as I do. And some of you even struggle with teaching your kids a certain way because back in the day, you were not that certain way. And so you're going to think that you can't say what you really want to say because they're going to say, well, you did it when you were a kid. Yeah, and I was dumb too. And, and, and there's something, there's simply something about recognizing our inability to be perfect. And now watch what he says at the very end here. He says, as it is written, Paul goes to scripture to show them that even this scripture that you think is gonna make you right, I'm gonna go to that same scripture and show you that you're wrong. God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. What does that mean? Jews were the separate people. Gentiles were everybody else that didn't have the one true God. You know that because of you, the, the Gentiles blaspheme, Paul says. Do you know that when you ask a lot of people, do you believe in God, they'll say yes. Um, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do, 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 you, do you follow Jesus? Do, do, you go to, do you go to church? No, 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 no. I won't, I won't ever step into church again. Why? Because those people. Most people don't have a problem with Christ if they could really understand the true Christ. They, got a, they, they have a problem with Christians who do exactly what Paul is saying we do. We live one way in public, we live another way in private, and that is what all of us are at times. That's why religion is a terrible solution for our sin problem, because you can't make a way that's good enough to be the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to him except through the way, the truth, and the life. So if religion is man makes a way to get close to God, here's what the gospel is. The gospel is the antidote. The gospel is the way. In fact, write it down. If man's way is religion, the gospel is God makes a way to get close to me. It's not about you getting close to God. God chose to get close to you. Before the foundations of the earth were formed, he had a plan to sacrifice the most valuable treasure that ever existed, his own son, the book of Revelation, before the, Lamb of, before the foundations of the earth were formed, the Lamb of God was slain. There was in his heart the desire to have uninterrupted, unhindered, unfettered relationship with man. 
but he also created a way where it would not be a creator to a robot, because that's not relationship. That, that's, that's just zeros and ones and code. But instead, he gave in us the innate ability to choose for ourselves relationship. And that gospel, God makes a way to get close to me, that gospel is a promise of a person who's perfect, who would die in your place to gain you access to God, to prepare a place for you in heaven that you don't prepare with your religious activities. And so that's why you hear, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. And so just for the rest of our time, I wanna put feet to that. I wanna put feet to that. Because when it comes about old time religion and right now relationship, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we actually dilute the power of what God has done through his son. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. And I can tell you, we don't bat a thousand when it comes to fostering healthy relationships around here. So we have a whole lot of activities and habits and in our own ways that we view relationships that say, well, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. But then when people look at your relationship with your spouse, they're like, I don't want a relationship with Jesus if that's the kind of relationship you're talking about. I, I don't want that. Because we get our own, we even get our religiousness into the way relationships are supposed to look. So, so let me just break down a good, I think a good way to see religion and then see the power of relationship, the power of the gospel activated in your life. So let's take these, just these next few. Religion versus relationship. So religion, religion says this. Religion says, if I obey, I will earn acceptance. If I obey, I will earn acceptance. And so my life is built that I walk the line and I obey. And I look up and I make sure God sees what I do. I also want to make sure everybody else sees what I do. Because if I obey and God accepts me, whoop, I'm good. So then I've got to just make sure that everything I do, that I'm obeying, obeying, be obedient, be obedient. And like, look, 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 obedience is critical. But here's, here's, a, here's the, the shift. You need to make a holy shift today. Relationship. Because I am accepted, I want to obey. Because up here, if I obey, I'll earn acceptance. I'm afraid that if I disobey, I'll be unaccepted. So then it all becomes about trying to walk a tightrope that I can't really walk because I'm not going to be fully obedient all of the time because I fall short of the glory of God. So relationship with God is I'm accepted, and so I want to obey so that when my foot does slip off the tightrope, I know I'm accepted. I know he's not going to just watch me fall. He, he is there with me through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't have to fear no evil because it's relationship. All right, let's look at another one. Religion says I obey God to get things from God. So many times the way I pray or the reason I do things is because behind the scenes running in the background is I 
I am really, I've got, I need that healing. I need my kids to do better. I, I need to make more money. I, so I tend to obey God because I think that that's the genie in the bottle, that if I rub the bottle and he poofs out, maybe he'll give me a few wishes. So I'm obeying, I'm doing my thing because I want to get things from God. The truth is, I think that many of us, including me, could have sometimes leaned into that kind of religion where, where we're, we agree with God often on a lot of things <laughs> until he says, no, obey this, and, and you, everything in you doesn't want to go that road. Everything in you doesn't want to agree with him on what, on what he uh, defines as a life that is pleasing to him. You agree with him with all the other stuff, but, oh, but when it gets into your business, all of a sudden, mm, I don't know, because I was getting all the good life. I was getting really all I wanted. It was all good, but then God says, no, 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 no. Uh, I want you to do this. I want you to obey me, and you say, oh. I just don't know if a loving God would really want me to do that. So what do we do? I don't know about the word of God if that's really, I mean, that's, oh, that's that. Didn't we just kind of piece that together? Isn't that? And so we start making excuses because I'm not getting the things I want. And the only way to get the things I want is to, is to make sure that I am just like making my own path here. So what am I trying to say? When's the last time that you didn't just agree with God? but you had to obey him because he's asking you to stop something, start something, change something, confess something that you don't want to. That's obedience. And, and, and the good news is <laughs> I don't have to obey just to get, get, get things from, from God. Here's what relationship looks like with God. I obey God just to delight in him and resemble him. I, I obey God because I know his ways are higher his thoughts are higher. I, I lean into him and I, I hold his hand like the child that I am because I know he's walked this path that I haven't walked and he sees what I can't see and he knows what I don't know and, and I just wanna be close to him because I know if I'm close to him, it's gonna be all right. That's what relationship is. Religion, religion is another one. Here it is, my motivation is fear. I'm afraid, and I don't mean fear the Lord, that's a completely distorted understanding when you say, oh, afraid of God, that's not what that kind of fear is, I'll explain that in a second, but when my motivation is fear, here's, here's, how, it, here's how it kind of lays out. I can't let him down, I can't let him down. Can I tell you that I, I think I've accidentally done some of this in my parenting, um, where when you get onto your children, to help make your voice sound stronger, you throw God into the mix and all that, and you say, you know, that's a lie. You know how God feels about lying. You know what God said about lying? What have you just done? You've placed God's emotions right as the exact same as your imperfect emotions, because you're upset because they were lying, and so now you, you're trying to get them to say that God's right behind you going, yeah, you tell him, Dad. You tell him, Mom. And that he is as, in, that he is as imbalanced in his approach as you are. 
You have just dumbed down God to you. And I've done it. We've, we've done it. Inadvertently, the motivation I thought was right, but in, inadvertently, I, I, was, I was actually trying to scare my kids, make them fear me, because they shouldn't do that again. But relationship is, the motivation is joy, and, and it's this, he won't let me down. He won't let me down. So instead of, I've messed up, oh man, I better hide, I can't tell my dad I messed up. Relationship says, oh, messed up, I gotta call my dad. I gotta call my dad and talk to him about this. A friend and his wife who live in Waco years and years ago he was at his dad's house. They were in their early 20s. And his dad was helping him change the oil out of his car. And his cell phone buzzed and he opened it. And it's what he had been hiding. He had been having an extramarital affair. And his wife had found out. Before he could say anything to his dad, he gets in the car that they were about ready to change the oil in, and he, he drives off. For three days, his dad kept calling him and calling him and calling him, and he wouldn't answer because he was ashamed. Finally, when he picked up the phone after the fourth day of calling, what he thought his dad was gonna say is, son, what were you thinking? It was, son, how can I help? I love you. We love your wife. We're going to get through this. 20 years later, they, they're happily married. They were able to work through it. They got grandkids, and they've been able to tell that story now, even in front of their church family. Because even though we let each other down, God doesn't let us down. And that's what relationship with him is. Religion is, my prayer life is largely petitions and problems. And that's okay, cast your care on him, he cares for you. But, I, but can I tell you that that's not all he's designed our prayer life to look like. You don't even get to petitions and problems in the Lord's prayer until halfway through the Lord's prayer. My Father in heaven, your name is holy. Your kingdom's bigger than my kingdom. I want your kingdom in my life like you see it in my life right there in heaven. Then you get into, give us this day our daily bread. You get, you get all your priorities shifted right, and then you get into petitions. Relationship says my prayer life is largely praise and adoration. It's just, it's simple. Like, like, like if, you, if you're figuring out, what do I just tell God? Just tell him how much you love him. Just worship him. Just sing songs to him. I can't sing. He knows. It's okay. He loves it. You know, you know how many parents are American Idol watching their kids in front of the judges like, oh, he's so great. They're like, hey, hey. They don't care, they just love their kid. They just love their kid. Golden ticket or not, 
When I mess up, religion says you better hide from God. You should hide from God. And that is our, in, that is like for some reason, that's like built in. And it's built in in all of us whenever you mess up, you wanna hide it. You wanna hide it from anybody. Some of the people that love you most, you think, you think that they would, they would kick you to the curb if they found out. And they probably would be wounded and they probably would hurt, but they probably would bring you closer. You've been carrying that weight for so long. You don't wanna wound anybody, you don't wanna hurt anybody, but, but you're hurting yourself and you're trying to make it a system to get close to them or get close to God. Relationship says when I mess up, I can run to God. And Adam and Eve, when they messed up, what'd they do? They hid from God and tried to cover themselves up. Next week, we'll talk about the fourth piece, the final message in the idea of sin. And it's all about our righteousness, how we try to cover ourselves with our own righteousness. But when I mess up, just like Adam and Eve, God meets me where I am. I wonder how silly he thought they looked. He didn't say it, but he said, what are they doing? They covering themselves with leaves? I can see everything. <laughs> like, I created you. Instead, I can run to him. I just don't wanna give you another sermon today. And I don't want to preach another sermon and I don't want to hear another sermon today. I just wonder when's the last time that you just ran after God. You just ran to him. When's the last time you, you just paused enough to recognize it's not what you do. When's the last time you have dealt with your sin? You've not just pushed it away and tried to be a good person again, but you confessed it to Jesus. You said, God, this is the stuff I'm dealing with and I don't wanna deal with it on my own. He loves you. And he's not gonna be mad at you. He knows you like you can hide it from him anyway. Stop, stop running from God. Wherever you are, stop running from God. Soften your heart. You think you're a man because you got a hard heart? Because you're all rough and tumbled? No, that makes you weak, actually. That's weak, but when you see you are weak, that makes you strong. Blessed are the meek, <laughs> because they're the ones that inherit the kingdom. So those that are, those that are gentle in spirit, those that have strength, but they have to push it aside because they realize my strength doesn't compare to the muscles of God, to the strength of God, to the goodness of God, to the kindness of God. 
Come on, young Christian and senior saint, Caleb's camper. Listen to me. Have you inadvertently wrapped yourself with some religion today? When's the last time you've just delighted in him and allowed him to delight in you? To run to him instead of hiding from him. For all locations with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Here we are, Jesus. So often we are on a search to find you. So our prayer today, though, is Jesus, find me. Jesus, come find me. Jesus, remind me. It's going to be okay, and I can run to you. Perfect love casts out fear. I don't want to be afraid. I know you love me. and That's what I want this relationship built on. Perfect father with an imperfect son that you love me. And you're gonna help me and you're gonna guide me and you're gonna lead me and you're gonna forgive me. Thank you. And I'm gonna invite everybody in the room, maybe it's your first time. Maybe the first time in a long time. I invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to invite every location to just say it right out loud. Would you repeat it after me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on a cross in my place lived my perfect life, died my death to give me access and relationship with you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you can do what you say you can do. I believe I am who you say I am. And today, I place my life into your hands. Thank you for finding me and loving me. I want to follow you. It is in your name I pray. Amen.